0: Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The Jewish wedding feast is at the center of this parable, and most Christians really have no idea about the Jewish wedding feast of Jesus' day. And being ignorant of a basic understanding of the wedding feast, it kind of muddies the water of this parable. The more you learn about it, the more this makes more sense. The wedding feast was something like this. The Father would prearrange a marriage for his son, and the son and the bride-to-be would become betrothed. And that was like our engagement, but it was more formalized. If you wanted to get out of the betrothal, you actually had to go through a divorce proceeding. It was a big deal to be betrothed, and you didn't break it. And during the betrothal process, the son would begin to build a home on the father's land or in his house. And once that home was built and the father inspected it and said, okay, it's good to go, The bridegroom would then gather his entourage and they would go to the bride and he would gather her and take her back to the place that he had prepared for her. And then the wedding feast would continue in great pomp and celebration. It was a big community event where lots of people would be invited. It'd be a very cool time. And the bride would not necessarily know the time the bridegroom was going to come. So she had to be ready, prepared to leave at a moment's notice. And then once the wedding feast started, it lasted seven days. And that's where they would consummate their marriage through their physical intimacy. And then they would live happily ever after. And that was the idea. So you can look online for ancient Jewish weddings and give it some attention. And those familiar with the New Testament will find a parallel in the coming of Christ for his church. And the church is called the bride. And in Revelation chapter 19, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Lamb being Jesus. So in this parable, there are 10 virgins or unmarried women in the wedding party. In this time, it was expected that an unmarried woman or a man would be a virgin unless there was a death of a spouse. So the bride had 10 bridesmaids who were all awaiting the sound of the horn that would be blown by the bridegroom announcing his coming. And then they would get up and they'd go to the feast. Verse two, five of them were foolish and five were wise. Verse three, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. So lamps were vital for the feast because the bridegroom likely would come at night and at an hour no one expected. And so it's going to be dark. So you need a light not only to see, but to be part of that wedding procession. And They may have thought that, well, maybe there'll be oil there, which was foolish, and they disregarded their responsibility to bring oil. And as a bridesmaid, you kind of need to know what's going on in the wedding. Verse 4. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps, and they were responsible. And they understand they would need more oil than the lamp could hold, so they carried extra. It's like going camping and carrying an extra can of gas for the trip into the mountains. By this, they not only showed that they were responsible, but also they showed that they were serious about their role, and they cared about the wedding. Verse 5, As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. So there was a lengthy delay, and even though they didn't know the hour, the time was kind of expected. And they kind of had an idea. The time of the coming, it wasn't a complete mystery. They knew it would be soon, but the very hour was not revealed, and now it's dragging on. Verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. It's showtime. Verse 7. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. So imagine all these bridesmaids awakening, trying to rush out and get ready, checking their hair, fixing their dresses, and getting their lamps ready. It'd be chaos. So they got their lamps, and they prepped the wicks, and they lit them. Verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They didn't expect the delay, and now they're ready to go, but their lamps were running empty. So what do you do when you're irresponsible? Well, you ask a responsible person to help you out, and they said, No. Verse 9, but the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy it for yourselves. Go get your own oil. And the wise virgins, they understood their role in the wedding. They're not about to jeopardize that for the foolish virgins because they knew it would screw everything up. They'd all run out of oil. So they say, no, you go and find someone to buy oil. And remember, it's midnight. So this is going to be a problem. But it's not the wise virgins issue. It's the foolish virgins issue. So they're like, yeah, you got to take care of this yourself. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. So the wedding continued without the foolish virgins. They were shut out. And this wasn't to be mean to the foolish virgins, but the bridegroom and the bride, they're like, look, let's get this show on the road. We're not about to alter or delay their day just because these people were unprepared. So they went ahead with their plans, which I think is reasonable. Verse 11, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. The door was shut. Now they're trying to get in. So they missed the beginning of it. Now they want to kind of come back and resume their role in the wedding feast, which was already underway. And they plead to be let in. Verse 12, but he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. They had missed the entire bridal procession. In their absence. Not only that, if you read up on the Jewish wedding feast, you'll find that in the East during the times of Jesus, it was customary to carry 10 lamps during the bridal processions, kind of business as usual. So imagine everyone in the procession saying, hey, why do you guys only have five lamps? This would be a point of embarrassment for the couple. When my daughter got married, there was a team of type A moms helping to organize the wedding, one of which was my wife, and every detail was nailed down at least twice. If there would have been a major problem like half the bridesmaids not showing up, that would have been an embarrassment to everybody, and they'd have been really upset. So imagine being the wedding coordinator here at a wedding, and in the middle of it, five unknown young women show up wanting in. The procession is over. Everyone's at their place, and the wedding feast is well underway. So bringing in these five unknown people would be very irritating, not only to the coordinator, who must now stop the ceremony and begin rearranging things, but it also brings shame upon the family of the couples. It's like, hey, you screwed our wedding up. Now you want to come in and, you know, nah, not going down that road. Verse 13, watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour. Now, There are many interpretations of this parable, and we can assume the groom represents Jesus and the bride his church, but who are the virgins? Well, that's up to interpretation. Some commentators see the virgins as the church, half being prepared for his coming, while the other half is not. Others see it as a continuation of Matthew chapter 24, and the Jews represent the virgins, and others have their ideas as well. But what I get out of this parable for a personal application is simply to always be ready to meet the Lord. Second Timothy 4, one. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministries. So whatever the correct interpretation is, one message that we can gather out of this is don't be foolish. Rather, be wise and prepare yourself for the coming of the bridegroom. When I separated from the military, I knew the day that I was going to end my enlistment. And as the day approached, it became more sobering. Anxiety, fear, excitement, uncertainty, and all these things, they filled my mind. But I knew that that day was coming and I needed to be ready. So preparation for that day when I would be taken away from my current life and brought to another place, and in my case, back home from overseas, that's where my new life would begin. So we prepared as best we could. And when we made the jump, it was pretty smooth. But I saw so many people. Who were in similar circumstances who made the jump and they weren't ready. And some were disastrous for them, their families. Why? Because they were foolish in their preparations. They had not saved money, rather, they were in debt. They had no plan. They had not developed any real transitional skills that were abundant if you wanted to venture out and learn them. They didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And if you kept in touch with them, it's like, yeah, they're not doing that good. Some of them did because they prepared. And in this parable, some were foolish and some were wise. And the wise were blessed, the foolish suffered. And when we think about this parable with an eternal perspective, there's one jump. That's it. And preparation is crucial and expected by the Lord. He expects us to be prepared. And he's always reaching out to us, getting us ready for the jump. But how we respond is on us. And if we want to play this life as a fool and not hold fast in our faith in Jesus, then we're in danger of hearing that same thing that the foolish virgins heard when the moment arrived. I do not know you. So be ready. Surrender to Jesus. Obey his word. Forsake the sin that is so prevalent in our lives. We all have to do this. It's the same for everybody. And don't think that those churchy people who seem to have it all together don't have battles in their lives that are horrendous. They do. I know that. I know lots of people who deal with battles that are just as raunchy as the battles of those outside of church. But those who are wise, they find strength in Jesus to overcome these things. And in our own lives, the things that God hates, that we love, we need to get rid of those things. That's where the victory is. 1 John 5, 4, but everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith opens up that door to God's grace pouring into our lives. So be ready, believe, and be blessed. Thank you.